Sometimes I like to tell a little story to warm you up into the kind of the theme, but we've been talking about the Holy Spirit the last uh, few weeks, and the first week we really talked about how the Holy Spirit um, was the power by which Jesus lived, and out of the leading of the Spirit, Jesus lived. And so we sort of said, well, if that's how Jesus himself lived, maybe that's good for us too. And uh, Jesus birthed the church um, by his breath, the breath of the Spirit. And, uh, and so we looked at that, and then yesterday, or last Sunday, sorry, is my vocal, it feels like really rumbly, like it's going to blow. Yeah. Just bring it up slow and low, you know, like you cook meat on a barbecue or something. <laughs> um, and so last week we, we looked at how the Holy Spirit brings about renewal. And what we were exploring was how the Holy Spirit um, uh, leads us into all the truth of Jesus and then teaches us and empowers us for the way of Jesus so that we can begin to look like Jesus. And that's a cycle that keeps going on and on and on for bringing about renewal. Uh, but today we're going to talk about, so that was, that was the focus really, we need the Spirit was the first week. The next week was the Holy Spirit uh, renews us in our character. And we said that that character needs to reflect the likeness of God, the likeness of Jesus. And now we're going to look at how um, we reflect the activity of God in the world, or what we do. But I want to start with a story. And the story uh, is from Acts chapter 8. Now, each week we've looked at a story from Acts as kind of a launch into a particular theme. The first week we looked at Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit comes and descends upon the believers and the church is born. Last week we talked about how... Um, the same sort of event happens, but for the Gentiles. And people are shocked that the Gentiles can receive the Holy Spirit too because they're seen as dirty and unclean. But it shows us a picture of great transformation. I still feel my, like my voice is going to blow at any point. I don't know if you can pull it back somehow. Um, I think you can hear me if I talk loudly anyway. I just don't want you to all have one of those moments where you're, you've lulled yourself into a nice restful sleep in the middle of the sermon and then boom, we don't want to do that to you. Uh, so last week was a reflection of how the, the, the Spirit came and transformed even Gentiles. Amazing, the dirty Gentiles even can be transformed. But a reminder for that the Holy Spirit brings renewal for all of us. This week, we're going to look at a story of a man named Simon. Now, Simon lived in Samaria. I don't know if you remember uh, hearing about Samaria ever, uh, but Samaria was a region close to them. So there was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. They're like neighbors... And they're kind of considered half-breeds. Like they kind of halfway follow the law of God, but they change the, the beliefs, the practices, and uh, because they're not ethnically pure Jewish, they're seen as lesser than. So Samaria is not looked at, again, as like they're not quite Gentiles, but they're not certainly Jewish either. Uh, and you may remember even that Jesus said, I'm going to send you all over the earth from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. So the circle keeps expanding, and this is a circle that's expanding now. But the, the, the story is uh, now uh, Philip is preaching and teaching because they've, they've sort of had persecution happen. You remember Stephen? We talked about the story of Stephen being martyred and killed for his faith in Jesus. And as soon as that happens, the Christians start spreading, and Philip goes off, and now he's in Samaria. He's a little bit away from home. And he starts teaching, and, 
and declaring the good news of Jesus, and this man, Simon, hears that, and he sees what's going on. Let's go right into uh, some of the verses here. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years. Amazing, the, I don't know why we have a mouse on the screen. It's distracting me. I'm like a cat. Like, I just want to... We're doing real well. This is the warm-up service today. <laughs> a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. Now, that's quite a, that's quite a nickname, isn't it? Like, and they call him that. It's not like he's just using that as his own billing. Like, he's not just marketing himself as the great one. People call him that. You know, this is like, of all the sorcerers, he's the greatest. He's the power of God. That's how powerful this guy is. Now, what's not clear is this guy, um, is he like what we would consider like an illusionist today? He's good at sleight of hand, does card tricks. Probably not so much. Maybe he's involved more in the dark um, sort of magic and occult practices. We don't know what kind of power he has, whether it's totally human or whether he's actually drawing on the power of the demonic. We, we don't really know, but he, what he's able to do and, and show people is very powerful, so much so that they look at him and say, wow, this guy's amazing. He's the great one. He's the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. When Simon saw the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. So here's a guy who already has a reputation for having great power. He's the great one, the power of God. And he sees someone new in town, someone that has a power that's greater than his own. In fact, it says that Simon becomes a believer. But there seems to be something going on. He seems to have sort of said, yes, I believe, but it's, it's sort of been a surface level. He doesn't really understand much about this yet. And so he comes and he, he says, um, you know, let me give you money for this power so that I can, I can put the power on other people. You see, he's got a reputation and he wants people to keep looking at him as an incredible source of power. He'll do anything to, to maintain his position, to maintain that power. And he wants to buy it. I'll give you anything. What's your price? Name your price. Everyone can be bought. He says, sell me the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the response back is pretty strong. Let's go to the next slide. Peter replies, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Peter goes on to sort of call him to repentance and to change what he's doing. He's saying, basically, you haven't got this. You're totally off the mark. You can't buy the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. And it's not a power that you have for yourself that gives you status and prestige or some sort of position and recognition within society. It's not for that. It's not for your sake. It's, it can't be bought. It's a gift, and it's not for you. It's for others. And so this story now frames up a, kind of an understanding for us. It's a picture of, 
some important lessons about the Spirit and what we can do, the power of the Spirit that's available for us, and what that allows us to do. Now, Simon got it all wrong, so let's try to get it a little bit right. Uh, let's go to the next slide here. Now, Ephesians 4, it starts talking about the gifts from the Spirit, too. And in this case, it, it identifies certain types of people. Now, we're going to hear other types of language to come, but this slide, these verses, are especially important for us as we start into the conversation of spiritual gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. So he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, there's a lot in there. We're going to take it sort of step by step. So, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Each one of you, each one of us, has a gift. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Did you know that I'm a gift to you? <laughs> Sometimes maybe it doesn't feel that way. Uh, so... And now, what's the point of this gift? What's the point of the gift that, that Jesus gives to the church? What's the point? Well, people like me, those who are leading and teaching and casting vision for the church, that are growing it through evangelism, our responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So my job is not to do all of the work, it's to equip you to do the work. And if I'm the one, or John and I are the ones doing all of the work in the church, then we're not a healthy church. That's, that's just how it is. The point isn't for me to do all the work, or John together, the two of us, or however big the staff could ever be. The point is for all of us together, as a church, to take on activity and responsibility uh, to grow the church together. So the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Now, the body of Christ, that's an interesting phrase. You may have heard that phrase before, and it may seem so commonplace that you sort of don't realize how unique and interesting a statement that is. It's saying that the church is the body of Christ. That somehow the church is the image of God. Now, that's the language we've been using again and again. We see that the purpose for which God created humans at the beginning is to reflect God's character and God's activity in the world. And here what we're being told is that Jesus gives gifts to his church so that it can represent him in the world. The activity, the character of God. So we are together being built up by the power of the Spirit and the gifting of the Spirit to reflect the character of and activity of God in the world, the image of God in the world. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord. So it's like this image, we become, we grow more and more into that image, that likeness of God. 
measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So you see, we, we become more and more like the representation of Jesus in the world. So what uh, Paul here, who's writing to the Ephesians, is saying is that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts so that we can become mature. We can become what we were always meant to be. We can become a reflection of Jesus in the world, both in his character and activity. And the purpose of someone like me or any leader in the church is to help you grow up to do that so that we together, as individuals and as a community, represent the person of Jesus, like his own flesh and blood in the world. We make Jesus real for the world. And this comes together in such unity. We can't do it off on our own. We can't be selfish about it. We can't be like Simon, looking to get power for himself. The way that these gifts work is is selfless. It's together. It binds us into one unit, one body. Okay? Now, the image and language of body is is very uh, prevalent through these passages, especially on uh, the gifting of the Spirit. We're not going to get too much more into that at the moment. Um, But here what we're seeing is, is that the purpose of the gifts the Spirit gives is to make us as a community look like Jesus, to represent Jesus in the world. Um, Man, it's a beautiful image to see it that way. Well, let's let's go on. I want to show you what some of these uh, gifts are. There's no definitive list. And that might surprise you. You might think, well, this seems really important, so why isn't there really a clear... Well, the thing is, every time the Bible talks about these spiritual gifts, it gives a slightly different list, and it emphasizes slightly different things. And I think the point is that the jobs, the roles, the gifts matter, but what matters more is the goal. And you'll see why in a moment. So in Romans chapter 12, which was read for us today, we see uh, things mentioned like prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, kindness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see a list of helping, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy again, but notice that's the only one we've seen duplicated, discernment, unknown language, and interpretation. In Ephesians 4, which I just read, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and then in other places in Scripture, and they're too various to mention all the locations, but things like the arts are described as being a spiritual gift, craftsmanship, celibacy, hospitality, martyrdom, like we saw in Stephen, missionary efforts, and even voluntary poverty are all seen as expressions of the Spirit at work. So, I think what matters more here, rather than a specific list, is to see that what the Spirit does is the Spirit empowers us to bring about maturity however that looks. Now you can think about this, for those of you who have children, um, you know that each child needs something a little different to become mature, right? Some people need, some kids need a firmer uh, kind of set of instruction. Others, uh, they kind of just seem to get it. And so the approach to parenting them and raising them up to maturity could look a little different. Likewise, within a church, sometimes different gifts are, are more necessary than others. Sometimes you really, really need people to invest in certain ways, and other times things seem to just 
uh, be less important. Sometimes it's in order to serve the needs of the community around us. We might have a different population, or there might be a different population within the church that has different needs um, in one congregation to another. But what's so interesting to me is when, we've, when we began this series, I talked about these extraordinary, miraculous signs of the Spirit that I experienced in high school, and sometimes I questioned them. But what you see on these lists here is actually much more regular and ordinary types of things than those things. Yes, you do have miracles and healing, and that seems like that's hard to grasp. But it's also things like helping. Just as general as helping. Like, that seems less miraculous to us, doesn't it? And yet I've experienced with some of you just showing up to help for something Sometimes that's an incredible, you're just the kind of person that can be there to help. And you might overlook that as being as significant as it really is. But even just helping, being there to lend two hands, can be a gift of the Spirit for the church, to grow it to maturity. Serving. Giving. Now, what's amazing, uh, I, I, I never ever considered that when I was younger, and then I heard about what, what's this gift of the Spirit for giving, and what I heard someone explain it to me once is, is it might be very well that your greatest ability in the life of the church is to work really hard in your business and be extremely generous to support the ministry of the church. I've sometimes told a story about a man that I got to know when I lived in Vancouver, and he was working in, in finance, and uh, he that's how he saw himself. He invested very heavily in other ministries, and they had, I've told this story before, they, he had a group of guys, they, they were part of a million-dollar Bible study, and in order to participate in the Bible study, they all had to give a million dollars to a different Christian endeavor. I, I was not part of that Bible study. <laughs> Imagine, but every year they would, and it was not a way, you know, they weren't sort of doing it in a showy way, it was just the group of them, but they were challenging each other, hey, let's do this, let's push ourselves to, to make enough money to be able to give it away and support the ministries. And I know when he died, there were a number of ministries that I've even been part of that suddenly lost a lot of funding, right? But he had this incredible gift, and you might not think of that as a gift of the Spirit. You think about someone preaching on stage, certainly preaching is a gift, certainly teaching is a gift. But someone's got to pay to run the place, too. So we've got to pay the bills, too, right? Or then leadership. Sometimes we don't recognize how significant that gifting could be, even though it's very sort of out front. But then we see things like the arts. And even if you go back into the Old Testament, you'll see how the Spirit of God uh, empowers a man to, to use arts and crafts to build the temple. Belal is his name. An incredible story. And you might have thought, well, gee, I didn't know I could use arts, painting, drawing, or, or maybe some sort of uh, song or, or something you know, that's artistic. I didn't know I could use that to build up the church. But the point here is that almost anything, when the Spirit is in it, can be used to build up the church. It's not so much that we need to worry about the list, although it can be very helpful for us to validate the types of ministry we do. It's more helpful for us to simply say, okay, Spirit, how can I be used by you to contribute and build up the church? How can I invest in what you're doing in the world here? And so there's quite a list here. It's, it's different every place you look. 
but there's a wide range of things that can be involved in the life of the church. Um, yeah, let's just move on. We need to go for time. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to spend a little bit of time there because Paul, uh, writing to the people of Corinth, gives a little bit more explanation. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. In other words, it's not that we go off doing our own thing. The Spirit is bringing unity, as we heard in Ephesians 4. The Spirit is bringing unity for one purpose. He's bringing us together into one body. So there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Now here's the thing. You are given a gift. But the gift isn't for you. It's for you to give to someone else to share with the whole community. You're given a gift to pass on, to share, to invest, to build up. Now, when you use your gift, you will very likely, many times, experience an aliveness, a vitality, a joy from feeling God alive working through you. Not always. Sometimes it will feel like hard work. But the Spirit still uses it and brings about something good through it. But the point is, the spiritual gift isn't just for us to say, oh, look, I've got the spiritual gift of leading. Well, if you never lead anybody else, how are you using that gift? What was the point of the gift? If your spiritual gift is helping, or serving, or it's hospitality, and you never have anyone into your home, you don't really have a gift if you're not using it. You're supposed to share it and to give it away. All of the gifts of the Spirit build up other people. And as I invest in you, you invest in another, and another invests in another, it all goes around, and all together we are built up into a place of maturity and health. And so we all together create this body of Christ that reflects the likeness of Jesus into the world. It's the one and only Holy Spirit, he continues, who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, Simon wanted to pick what he got. He wanted to be able to give out power. We don't get to do that. We don't get to say, you know, God, what I'd really like is the gift of giving. I'd really like to be able to earn a lot of money and then give it away and be generous. That'd be a lot of fun. I'd like to do that one. We don't get to choose. God chooses by his spirit. He decides what each one of us will do. And so in every case, we simply come and yield ourselves to God and allow his spirit to work. But the spirit of God will decide what he does through us. Let's continue. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So we don't get to pick what we have. And we're not all going to be the same. That's the point. We need differences. We need different people to be part of this. Uh, the analogy he, Paul will use in this same chapter of the body, the body of Jesus, is that you know we wouldn't be a very good body if we were all a nose, right? We wouldn't be a very good body if we were all a mouth. We wouldn't be a very good body if we were all an ear. You can list the other body parts. I'm sure you're familiar with them. 
The point is that we are all different, and all together we need each other. You know, what good is a mouth if you don't have uh, the hand to feed it? What good is an eye or an ear if it doesn't have the feet to get it anywhere, right? So the idea of the body is that we all together make something beautiful and good and represent Jesus in the world. So we can't all be the same. We can't all have the flashy gifts. We can't all be noticeable. We can't all be involved in the things we might prefer or want to be. So what should we desire? Desire the gift that's going to be most helpful. Desire that the Spirit would use you and empower you to do something that would be really helpful for the the church around you. Let's go on. The person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So I, I chose this verse partly because it references tongues. Some of you have heard growing up um, that the, the, the real test of whether or not you have the Holy Spirit is if you can speak in tongues. And that's just not true. Um, I have eagerly desired the gift of tongues, especially when I worked with newcomers to Canada. I kept praying, Lord Jesus, please allow me to speak and understand languages that I don't yet know. My desire is to honor you, share your story, to make it known. And no matter how many times I prayed that in specific moments, God never made it so that I could speak Korean or Japanese or Mandarin. And I never quite understood why. I really wanted that to happen, but it just never did. Nevertheless, there seemed to be an ability to communicate. and Somehow good things were communicated even without language. But it's to say that Speaking in tongues, if you've heard that that's essential to being a follower of Jesus, it just simply isn't. Last week, when we talked about what's the evidence of the Spirit, or what's the fruit of the Spirit, what's the evidence of the Spirit? The evidence of the Spirit that that Paul gave was not speaking in tongues. The evidence of the Spirit was character change. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, gentleness and self-control. I'm messing up the list. But the point is, The proof that we have the Holy Spirit isn't whether we do something miraculous like that. It's that our character looks different and that we look to serve other people with whatever abilities we have. That's the proof we have the Spirit. So if we're eager to have special abilities that the Spirit gives, seek the ones that will strengthen the whole church. In other words, just pursue being the most helpful you can be. Let's go to the next slide. And I want to show you this. This is from actually chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians. Paul says this as a great representative. You might think, I don't know what I really have to bring. I don't know what I really can contribute. Well, listen to how Paul describes how he served the church in Corinth. He says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust, not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I think what we can learn from Paul's example as he writes those words is that when we serve one another in the church and we try to serve, you know, we don't have to come and have it all together. 
we don't have to feel like we've really got this mastered or we're all figured out or we're perfect by any means. Paul certainly wasn't, and that's not the point. We come and bring our contribution as simple and as small as it might be, but we bring it in honesty, in an authentic gift for the body to grow and to mature. We don't try to be fancier than we are. We don't try to look like we have it all together. We don't try to look like we're further down the road than we are, or more pious or more spiritual. We just come honestly, not with clever and persuasive things, not with all the flash and the bling. We just come in and we say, Spirit of God, would you do something through me? Would my contribution be used by you to do something good and beautiful? That's it. And if my contribution is is sweeping the floors, then Spirit, would you use me to sweep the floors and make this a beautiful place? That's no small thing. If my contribution is inviting someone who's new into my home so I can welcome them, then Spirit, use that. Or if my contribution is uh, starting to coordinate the children's programs downstairs, then you do that just to the best of your ability with the Spirit helping you. You don't have to be flashy. You don't have to try to have it look like you've got it all together. You just do it honestly and allow the Spirit to work and use you. And we do it in this way so that people don't look to us and say, wow, Gordon's really good at that, or John's really good, or Sharon's really good, or Bill's really good. Or... No, it's just so that people look and notice what God's doing and trust God more. Now here's the final slide I want to show you, and this is 1 Peter. Peter is now speaking. The same Peter who stood up on the first day of Pentecost and shared a word of explanation to many people. The same Peter who was close as a disciple with Jesus. The same Peter who fled and turned his back on Jesus but returned to even greater things. Peter wrote this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. You have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So the way that we practice this is just to submit whatever abilities God has given us to his work and his purpose and his power. And he does stuff through that. Some of those really, quote-unquote, ordinary things somehow become more than the sum of their parts with God's Spirit in them. Someone on the outside might not notice the difference. Oh, you're just sweeping, or you're just working with the kids, or you're just in the nursery, they may not be able to see the difference that the Spirit is making. But nonetheless, it is real, and over time, it works to build the maturity and health of the whole body. And I thought I'd end with this just as a little picture of that. When I was in high school, I had a friend that every Saturday, I always tried to go over to his house and hang out. And I was the oldest of four kids, so I was partly just trying to get away from all my younger little siblings that were underfoot, you know. And he was an only child, so when I went there, you know, we got 
uh, more attention, and his mom liked to make us snacks, those kinds of things. And uh, her name was Linda, and, and Linda would come, and she would bring us cookies or some kind of juice or something, and then, because I was just so great. It was like my mom never brought me snacks like that. It was like, you know, fend for yourself. She would bring down all these snacks or this drink. And I was like, oh, this is so good, Linda. Well, actually, I'd say Mrs. Powell. Mrs. Powell is so good. I said, I don't know what the difference is, but when you make these cookies, they're just so good. She said, well, the difference is love. Right? And I thought, you know, I was thinking about that just the other day, and I thought, in some ways, that's kind of this cheesy kind of reflection of, you know, well, what's the difference in this tang? It's made with love, right? How does that change the taste? I don't know, but somehow it does. But you know what? That's actually, I think, true of what the Spirit does in us. What's the difference between the ability to play the guitar here on stage on a Sunday morning and play the guitar in a bar downtown on a Saturday night? What's the difference? Same, same instrument, same chords. What's the difference? Love. The presence of the Spirit. Something happens when we allow God to use whatever we have. Where God brings it to life in ways we often can't see. That brings about a fruit and a vitality and a health to the whole that we can't fully comprehend all the time. But I'll tell you, you can taste the difference. There's a difference to that kind of fruit. Fruit that's grown simply from human effort, well, it just doesn't last, it doesn't fill us, it doesn't endure. But fruit that's born of the Spirit of God, fruit that's made with love, it's life-giving for many. And so what I want to invite you and encourage you to do is to try something you haven't tried before. Step out to serve in a way that maybe you feel weak and trembling like Paul did. But step out, not in your own power, step out in the power of God and say, I'm relying not on myself, but on the power of God to do something here. Believing that God will use me in some way, small or large, to contribute to the health of the whole. So that we together look like Jesus more and more every day. So that we together show the world what Jesus' love is really like. So that we together are full of the Holy Spirit, producing uh, a message about the truth of Jesus, walking in the way of Jesus, looking like Jesus, so the world would know Jesus. So that's my encouragement for you today. You know, for the past few months, I put together a list of about 60 different jobs and tasks and responsibilities we have around this congregation. And some of you looked at that list and said, I can try that, I can do that. Some of you are doing it even today. And if you haven't done that, I'd encourage you just to look at that list again. It's been going out by our email. I think it's on the bulletin board here as well. And just consider, what might God help you do? What might God be able to do through you? And allow him to bring about greater life and greater likeness of Jesus. Let's pray, and the worship team will come, and we'll close with a song. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your life that we find in your spirit, breathing your breath into us, bringing us to life, and empowering us to do things that are beyond us as well. Something that can't be bought or earned, it's just simply a gift.
And so we pray that you would stir those gifts within us to be able to serve one another, to help uh, produce your likeness in us and through us that your message and your life would be known by all the world. And so Jesus, thank you for your, your spirit and the gifts that you give us through your spirit. Thank you for the power that we have, not for ourselves, but for others. And we pray that you would receive the honor and the glory for the good of all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.